The 2-1 pitch. High fly ball hit deep left field. Way, way back is going. Yeah, there it goes. Mike Piazza, a three-run homer. Grom makes his 27th start of the year. He's got a major league leading 1.71 ERA. Oh, my goodness. Where did that land? It hit the picnic tent beyond the left field bullpen about halfway up on the picnic tent roof. Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of 2019's edition of Flushing Transit Authority. And unlike the L train, it does not need executive shenanigan orders from Governor Cuomo to get this train back on the tracks. Now this train just keeps going. Keeps on going all night long. I am one of your hosts, Jay Bushman, and I am here as always with Will Stegman. Hey, Will, how's it hey, going? Jay, how you doing? I'm glad to be doing this now for the third season. Third season. Very exciting. We have now had yeah. more seasons as a Met than, quick, maybe a two-season Met. <laughs> Louis Lopez. Well, I should say that the reason Louis Lopez comes to mind, and we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit, is um, I have started reading uh, Matt Callan, friend of the pod, Matt Callan's wonderful book, Yells for Ourselves, which is a saga about the 1999 and 2000 Mets teams, which has been wonderfully entertaining. And we'll circle back to that later. Um, but yeah, so I just got to the part where Louis Lopez and Ray Ordonez got in a fist fight, which was, you know, great moments in yeah. Mets history. Yeah. So are we going to have anything in 2019 that lives up to, to that kind of action? Uh, hard to say. Um, Mickey Calloway does not seem like the type to put on a fake mustache and sneak back into the dugout, but you never know. We are coming up on, this will be the 20th anniversary of that game. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to tell the Mets how to do their job. <laughs> but trying. you kind of do want to tell the Mets how to do their job. I do want to tell the Mets how to do their job. If the Mets don't bring Bobby Valentine back for that night, <laughs> for Bobby Valentine Disguise Night for the 20th anniversary. And we could give away Groucho glasses yes. with the nose and the mustache. Yeah. And that'd be awesome. Go read Matt Kellen's book because he will point out that that wasn't even the craziest yeah. thing that happened that night. <laughs> that is an all time insane Mets night. But we're getting sidetracked, right. as we often do. So it's 2019 and. We're about a week away. Uh, as we record this, we're a little more than a week away from opening day. And I have to say, the foremost thing on my mind is, do you remember the movie, the wonderful, somewhat dated, somewhat problematic baseball movie, Major League? Do I ever? Yes, I do. And do you remember there's a sequence towards the beginning when the, uh, the Indians release their roster for the season and there's a montage of all the fans looking at the list going, who are these guys? Yes. That's kind of how I feel right now. It's like... You know, you, you know, I need a scorecard because right. there are so many new people and like, like J.D. Davis, like who's that? Like, I, I don't know. It reminds me of the saying, the guys hawking the scorecards mm -hmm. always give you when you walk up. Yep. Repeat after me. Can't tell you players without a scorecard. Yeah, yeah, that's where we are right now. It's like, like new names, new numbers, new faces, new positions. Um, so there's going to be an adjustment period. I will tell you, like, I am at that point where the, I go through this every year with spring training. Mm -hmm. Super excited first week of spring training. Then, 
I want this to be over. Yes. Then, just before the season starts, I start getting hyped. Yes. Start getting hyped. You clearly sense this. Yes. And that's why we're here. Yes. And so, uh, the first thing we need to do, it's very important, is now a, a, a Flushing Transit uh, tradition that for the first uh, episode of the season, we have to make our uh, predictions on what their uh, record is going to be this year. And we all know what Will's prediction is because it's the same prediction every year, but we have to do it. So, Will, what do you think their record's going to be this year? Okay. I've, in the past, I've gone on some wild tangents. No. I have said at various times in the history of this podcast that the Mets would go 162 and 0, 161 and 1. Mm -hmm. That's not realistic. So, this year, we're going to change that. And we're going to go. 154 and how many games do you get to? And eight. <laughs> 154 and eight. And also, I will take a math class. <laughs> well, it's nice to see that as the years go on, you, you slowly drift more towards rationality. And, you know, maybe by season 25 of Flushing Transit Authority, we'll, we'll get to, to somewhere more, you know, uh, resembling uh, actual reality. For my part, I, I don't like making these kinds of predictions because, you know, they're never going to be right. But I will say that um, it really does look like it'll take uh, 90 games to win the division this year. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, those who know this better than our, better than we do, if you can believe that, there are people who are more I, I knowledgeable than myself. Shocked. I'm going to start with the guy sitting next to me who knows more about these things than I do. But if you look at... Um, you know, the baseball perspectives is put together, um, as far as, you know, any, the sort of Dakota projections for the NL East, you've got this rare scenario where four of, you know, of the five teams in the division are scheduled to have, a, are scheduled, are predicted to have a winning record. Yeah. So in that case, 89 wins, 90 wins could win this division. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, is going to make for a season of a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety, and the, the margin's going to be razor thin, and that means drama, and what do Met fans love more than drama? Panic. Panic. Anxiety. Anxiety. Uh, um, uh, blaming people. That's always a, a popular one. Um, so, yeah, so there's a lot of unknowns. Um, this is a very different team and a very different organization, and so, like, I guess that brings me to the first thing that I wanted to talk about with you, which is, you know, they always talk about culture. Team culture is always, you know, a, a big topic. And when, you know, Mickey Calloway was hired last year, everything was about changing the culture. But I don't think I've ever seen the culture of this organization change as much as it has changed since the hiring of Brody Van Wagenen. Certainly, um, what he has done as far as saying the right things, um, making decisive moves. Yes. Whether you agree with the Robinson Cano move and the, you know bringing in Cano and, and Diaz, it's a decisive move. But and it's not just like the on-field stuff. Things like hiring Jessica Mendoza who, as a special assistant, who we've both been on record saying, yeah. I'm a fan of the work she does. Yeah. I like the fact that they are that they are doing that. I like that. They are both, you know, trying to, you know, obviously, you don't even want to say embrace advanced mm -hmm. stats because everyone is doing that. Yeah. 
but you know they're doing it in a way that still sort of honors the eyeball test. Yes. I think that um, the if you want to say the culture is changing, I'm always like, well, let's just wait and see. And see how it, you know. Let's wait comes. for the product on the field. Yeah. But I'm, ca- you know, I'm cautiously optimistic. They're saying all the right things. I'm always hesitant when you throw around the term culture change about a baseball team mm-hmm. because it comes down to wins and losses. True. And that culture change goes out the window when you're not winning games. True. I mean, this is the optimism season, and so it's easy to kind of hang on to, the, to it, bits of information that serve as kind of placeholders for what might happen. But you look at things, I think a lot about um, they stole a couple of executives from the Red Sox who are kind of, you know, forward-thinking analytics people. There's always that thing where, you know, with hiring an agent to be your GM, you always have to ask the question, well, like, do they, do they know what they're doing from this side of the table? But it looks like Brody has surrounded himself with people who are smarter and more experienced than he is with right. long track records and some up-and-coming names in the front office side of the business. And that's really exciting. And I can't remember the last time I was as excited as the at the acquisitions off the field um, than I am on the field. Um, which, you know, it, it, but it could go either way. You're absolutely right. If they get out of the gate with, you know, a five-game losing streak, um, it, it could get ugly real quick. And t- yeah, at what point, to back it up a little bit, I feel like the Mets will be much more successful at changing the culture of the organization, whatever you want to define that culture as, um, if they're basically able to really implement a regime change. Because if it's the same situation where you have a GM in name only Mm -hmm. and an owner, uh, an ownership group who is making decisions based solely on their own sketchy economics, again, I'm the pessimist who says, your culture change is only as good as your win-loss record. So let's let's get to some games. Let's get to some happens. games. Let's get to some games. So I know you've been watching uh, a lot of spring training uh, games. Uh, what have you have you seen anything that stands out to you? I say this every year, <laughs> repeated. Boy, spring training games bore the heck out of me. <laughs> but I always have to watch them. I for me, it's like who's throwing the ball well, who's getting at bats. I've been home for the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. so I've just had like a running rotation of MLB, um, MLB Network spring training games on. I've made the questionable choice to watch some Yankee spring training. I'm sorry. Um, I can tell you this, they're a lot taller than the Mets. <laughs> um, but really all I'm doing is like, how do people look? Right. Um, you know, how do people look in the field? Mm-hmm. The Mets defense killed me last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're going to continue, we'll talk about that when we get to some positional specifics, but the, boy, the, the gloves behind the pitchers mm-hmm. really, really, really matter. Got me, got me worried. But what, what I'm looking for as far as watching the Mets specifically, how does DeGrom look? Mm-hmm. How do their starters look? Um, are people swinging the bat well? Mm-hmm. And you know what? There's some interesting stuff. There's some people, you know, we got a lot of questions at first base. There are a lot of players yeah. and a lot of questions about where people are going to end up going. 
and we let's speculate wildly. Right, right. Well, I mean, you know, the thing over the past couple of years has always been they don't have any depth, they don't have any depth. Well, we've got depth now. This is the other side of the problem, where now it's like we've got three first basemen. Who's going to play? Who's going to sit? Right. Um, I, I know this happens every... Uh, every year that we're on the like, you know, go Dom Smith train, mm -hmm. but you know, does does it look like he's finally like figured it out? Like that would be really exciting. That if you know, if if he can finally turn the corner and become the player that we thought he was. Right. Or for a player like Dom Smith, does a solid spring training mean? Maybe he ends up somewhere else at the end of spring training. Maybe. You know, it, I firmly believe, though, we're going to have our rash of injuries that are going to, like, decimate half the team. And the idea that instead of calling up, you know, double-A lifers, right. that we actually have not only a bunch of people on the, on the bench who have experience and who can play, but, you know, a bunch of veterans who have signed deals that will send them to triple-A so that when the injuries happen, they're, you know, they're just a couple of hours away in beautiful Syracuse, New York. I'm very happy to see that the Mets now have a AAA yes. affiliate that is not on the West Coast time yes. zone. Even though, hey, having the team in Vegas was great for me, <laughs> who was always intending to go to a game. Yeah. Never did it, because yeah. who's going to go sit outdoors in Vegas in yeah. the summer? Not me. So, um, unlike you, I actually usually don't watch a lot of spring training games. Um, I think because it's the same way. It's the same thing you said. It's just they're not real, and it's like, okay, none of this matters. I did listen to my first broadcast um, in the car last weekend, and it was glorious because I got in the car, uh, and I turned it on. Uh, the Mets were winning 6 nothing. Turn it off right there. Jason Gardis was on the mound. And by the time I got home, a little less than half an hour later, the Mets were losing 9-6. Mid-season form, that was nice. Um, but then I watched, uh, I watched my first spring training game this week, and um, I had this moment, and, and this is the thing that I've been like dying to get here today and talk to you about. Because the big move of the offseason, obviously, is the Robinson Cano Edwin Diaz trade. And we've talked, and people have written ad nauseum, is this good, is this bad, here are the strengths, here are the weaknesses, here's the upside, here's the downside. But you know what I haven't done until I watched that game? I haven't seen Robinson Cano play, right? He was on the Yankees forever, I never watched him there. Uh, he went to baseball Siberia, known as Seattle, which, you know, even if they're good or whenever they're bad, who sees Seattle? I Seattle. never see anyone, I never yeah. see any of their games. Seattle's a great city. Yeah. But yeah, they may as well be playing on another planet as yeah. far as most like national coverage goes. Even so, more so than like the LA teams where yeah. at least you have more media coverage. Yeah. There. So I watched a Robinson Cano at bat. And I have to say, here's my question then. Like, you know sometimes there are just players that operate on a different level. And this was the thing when, um, when Piazza came to the Mets. And it was sort of that same deal of like, here are the upsides, here are the downsides, you know, what's it gonna cost us? What are we losing? I don't know, is this gonna work, is this not gonna work? And then he showed up and you were like, oh, oh my God. Like, this is a superstar. This is someone playing in a completely different level. Right. 
That's what I saw the first time I saw Robinson Cano. This moment of like, oh, like this is someone who's playing this game and has played this game on a different level than everyone else. So my question to you is, is Robinson Cano the second best position player this franchise has ever had before he even steps on the field? No. My gut reaction is no. I'm not, I haven't looked up numbers and that's a Mets fan bias because I'm looking at that and I'm like, so you're telling me, um, actually let's back this up. Who's your, who's your first place? Well, the first one is Piazza. Like there's never been anyone on this team that has had that kind of transformative effect that yeah. Piazza did. Uh, of course, Cespedes had that incredible run in 2015, but that was, he was playing out of his mind and as he regressed back to the norm and then, you know, below with the injuries. But it's that thing, it's that phrase that they use, first ballot Hall of Famer. Like you see someone and you're like, they are just in a different level of the atmosphere as anyone else. And I didn't even have to see Cano do anything. It was just an aura. It's just the way he moved through the rest of the team. Like, this is the guy that everyone's taking their cues from. The question going forward is, are we getting Mike Piazza or are we getting Robbie Alomar? That is, as you were going through that, um, I'm listening and I'm thinking about, because I've probably seen a lot more of Robbie Canola because for years I've had MLB extra innings mm -hmm. and I'm glutton for punishment, so I've watched a bunch of Yankee games. Yeah. I, because I like to sit up and watch, I live on the West Coast, so I've probably watched more Mariners games than anybody who doesn't live in Seattle. <laughs> um, I watch a good number of Mariners games, one, because their TV crew is good. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a good vibe in the stadium when they're playing at home. Um, plus, if you're playing fantasy baseball, I get a look at the relievers that nobody else gets to see. It's a really nerdy mm -hmm. advantage that I get. Um, so I've seen Cano, and my impression of Cano is that he has been an all-star cal caliber, um, at certain points, MVP caliber player. My thinking is that we are getting somebody way over on the Robbie Alomar side than the Mike Piazza. I hope that I'm wrong, but I think we're getting a player with a lot of miles and a lot of baggage. Mm -hmm. um, and we will be lucky as an organization. The Mets will be lucky as an organization. I have not been hired by them yet. <laughs> if you get two years of, let's just say, two and a half to three wins above replacement, which is fantastic. But anything beyond two years of that, I think is, um, you're, you're hoping for something that's probably not going to be bad. Which well, is more than we got from Robbie Alomar. Two things. Um, one, like you said that you were getting hyped for the season. Like, I wasn't hyped for the season. I was like, okay, I can't wait for this to start until the moment I saw that at bat. And I just, I just, and maybe it's just because I have not watched him over his career. And maybe it's because I you know, always kind of associated him with the Yankees, so I didn't, like, want to pay attention right. to him. But, like, I just I just have this feeling that, like, this could be something really, really special. Um, and now I forgot the other thing. But, you know, like Robinson, Robinson Cano has always looked good yeah. at the plate. Like, 
you know the term, professional hitter, yes. et cetera, et cetera, absolutely does that. Here's the other thing, and I really wonder if this is a strategic play on uh, on, on Brody's part. And, and by the way, I, I'm trying to start a meme. I'm the only one, so it's not going to like take off. But I really want us to start calling him Chief Brody, like it's Jaws. Okay. Um, um, just let's everyone who's listening, let's start spreading that. But I really kind of feel like uh, he is place this bet that in two years there will be the DH in the National League. And the odds of that happening are pretty high right now. I will go on record as saying I'm fine with that. I give up. I used to be hardcore against it. I, I whatever. Like, it's not that important. I have as well, and yeah. I've thought about it. I've thought about it the same way I think about language. Yeah. Language evolves. Yeah. The game evolves. Yeah. Um, the- so if in two years Cano moves to the designated hitter spot, then you get three more years of that kind of hitting out of him, and that, you know, then Brody will look like a freaking genius. Yeah. As we stand right now, though, we have a second baseman with baggage and a questionable glove. Um, I reasonably how to for As you should be. Um, I will say that I am probably equally hyped for uh, for Edwin Diaz. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I want to just see Jacob DeGrom take the mound next yeah, week. Yeah. Just the idea of seeing him, just that's going to feel like games are back. And you've got a double positive there because it seems like there's a good chance that because specifically DeGrom likes throwing to him, you will get another season of Caponize. That they will bring Devin Mezorosco north with the team to catch DeGrom's games. At the moment, how many catchers are currently on the Mets? Four. Yes. We've got four. We've got Wilson Ramos, the Buffalo, which I'm just really, really looking forward to watching him just like lumber around the bases. Mm-hmm. And Travis Darno, who, you know, once again refuses to refuses, refuses to, to go away. He just keeps, you know, making making a case for himself. We've got Mezzarocco and Tomas Nito is still hanging around. He will not start the season yeah. the team, but you know, he's still in the mix. I, it's been such a long off-season that at some point I thought the Mets had signed Yasmani Grandal. <laughs> and I know it was a thing that was just only like discussed and, and yeah. never got past that. But a couple of weeks ago, I was just like, what are Yasmani Grandal's doing? Oh, not on the Mets. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's, it's been, there's been a lot of action this off-season. I mean, the, the, the team in the field is almost completely different. The pitching staff is mostly the same, um, but yeah, it's going to be really, it's going to be really interesting. There, uh, something else I'm really excited about for this season. This was a refrain that we had over the last couple of years, over and over and over again. Is the strikeouts so boring? Like all the hitters are always like swinging for the fences, the stupid launch angle thing, and either they're hitting home runs or they're striking out. The strikeouts numbers were ridiculous and you know never mind like that it doesn't help the team win it just makes the game boring well new hitting coach Chili Davis who reportedly does not believe in the launch angle theory and is like I want you guys hitting line drives to where the fielders are not playing and I'm like thank you Lord like whether or not it works or not, I just want to see doubles. I want to see base runners. I want to see people getting hits. I can live without the home runs if we don't have so many damn strikeouts. 
I, the way of, you know, the, the game has moved towards, you know, it's the, the constant push and pull of the game. It's time to pull it back. This has happened time and time again in baseball mm -hmm. as equipment changes, rule changes, approaches to the game. It seems like every couple of decades there's a big shift in, in the way the game is played and the way offense and defense sort of on that seesaw mm -hmm. try to combat one another. And we have this confluence of pitchers throwing harder than ever and batters not being afraid to strike out if it means they can drive in runs with a home run. And at some point, um, something has to give. And the thing that has to give is people will have to stop watching games because mm -hmm. this yeah. is boring. Yeah. Um, or they have to figure out, like, and some people do it, they don't do it enough, but it's like, oh, they're going to shift everyone to one side of the infield, bunt your ass on for a base hit. And the only Met who had done that recently that I remember is, see, Jay Bruce do it a yeah. couple of times. Yeah. The early oh, Jay Bruce. Well, he'll be back. Yes. Point. Yes. Speaking of being sent to exile, it's yeah. 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 I know they were already were talking about moving him somewhere else as well. Oh, yeah. So, you know, Jay Bruce is... That third guy, you know, it yeah. happens more in the NBA where there's a guy who's always just yeah. yeah. got to balance out the trade. Yeah. Um, but you know what? We've been sitting here talking about the Mets for a good 20 minutes. Nice. Um, good thing is we haven't wasted a word on the rest of the division. No, not really. Do we want to bother? Eh, whatever. You know what? We got all season to worry about. We got all season. I heard that the Phillies added a new guy. Couple of guys. Yeah. I don't know. New catcher, Something new like right that. fielder. Yeah. Good luck. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Are the uh, Marlins still in the league? Vaguely. <laughs> Just barely. I hear they're going to have new logos this year, which, really? you know, I mean. Because that's the problem. Can I Marlins. confess that, like, their last logo, which everyone hated, I actually kind of liked? Um, but well, whatever. Like, at a certain point, it's just it's so ridiculous yeah. that um, it just doesn't matter. I will tell you, even though we're not going to talk about other teams too much, Josh Donaldson on the Braves mm -hmm. is very intriguing. Yeah. yeah. Um, another player who could benefit greatly from the introduction of the DH to the National yes. League. Yes. I think that we've got ourselves a season coming up where nobody's going to run away with this division. Yeah. And if the Mets can just hang with everybody else, I think we're going to have a situation, knock on whatever, come August. We're getting to the end of August with a real chance. Yeah. Of seeing meaningful, meaningful games in September. September. That's all we want. Hashtag meaningful games. Meaningful games in September. Yes. 2019. Here we go. Yes. So, uh, hey, that's our uh, very laid back look at the 2019 Mets. We're going to be doing this every two weeks once the season starts. Um, Let's not project too much. Let's just get to some games. Let's get some games. Let's enjoy meeting our new friends. Um, let's hope we don't have too too many injuries before the season starts. Uh, I'm sure we'll lose a pitcher at some point in don't the next week. Don't say. Uh -huh. none, none of the good ones. We're not going to mention who we think the good ones are, but okay. you know who they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, let's play some ball. Yeah. All right, Jake. It's well, time for uh, first pitch. And as we say around here, We'll see you at, at the, the baseball, baseball movies. Okay, you gotta give us a shot. You know what? You gotta give Harry, us a shot. Okay, listen to me. Let me hear what I'm saying. Okay? You get your shot. You had your shot right there in the situation. Oh, why do?